All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Blue Oval Podcast. My name is Garrett Zatlett, and yes, if you are hearing my voice, that means there's no Ben today. How dare he have a family that he's trying to raise? Very selfish of him. But no, hope everyone had a uh, great Christmas, Merry Holidays, and I uh, hope everyone's preparing for a very exciting new year. Um, I do have a guest today, a guest that um, you've seen on the site, a uh, relatively new guy. I'll introduce him in a moment. Real quick, um, for the holidays, we asked for reviews. You guys came through. We got two new ones um, on Apple Podcasts, which was awesome. And we got up to 81 on Spotify, which is about plus three or plus four there. Um, the review on Apple Podcasts says, just appreciate the coverage for TSR. Looking forward to the indoor and outdoor season. See how simple that is, guys. See how simple that is. We super appreciate it. Thank you all for doing that. And uh, we're also super appreciative of Hoka for sponsoring us here at the tail end of December. We appreciate their support. They were phenomenal with us throughout the entirety of this month and at the end of the cross country season. Shout out to Hoka. Uh, really appreciate everyone. All right. So I said there was no Ben today and that is the case. Instead, I have brought on a new guy. He is the host of the chip time podcast. He always has the best audio quality that makes me very jealous about him all the time. I've said that multiple times. He's one of the fastest learners that we have here at TSR, and he's been absolutely killing it on our D1 women's coverage. It is Scotty Lotland. Scotty, how are we? I'm doing great. Uh, Very unselfishly, I am not raising a family, so happy to provide my services today. You're setting the bar pretty high. I really am just kind of in that fifth runner role, trying not to blow up the team scoring. You guys got a good thing going, but really excited to be here uh, as I have been writing on the Division One women's side. Yeah, you've been uh, <laughs> you've been great. I promise you, though. Hey, fifth runner, first runner. Everyone's just as important to that team score. So we're happy to have you on board, man. And like I said, you've been killing it. Um, so we got a few items today. Today's episode is going to be a little bit shorter, but you've got some background on these things. There's a lot of uh, women's transfers we want to talk about, a piece of news that you ultimately helped spark here at TSR that we were able to report on. So it'll be, I'm thinking it's going to be pretty quick today. Maybe 30, 35 minutes is the goal. We'll see what happens. We'll just see how this unfolds. But first, let's talk about Chris Zielinski, right? So let me set the stage a little bit here. Chris Zielinski is the distance coach at Florida, former American 10K record holder, superstar, yada, 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 right? Um, Now, earlier in the week, Scotty was very kind enough to go into our Slack and say, hey, look at this thread on some running forum website. And uh, he said, uh, let's go check this out. And it's Zielinski to Oregon is the title. And I shot it down immediately. I said, no way. We're not going to pay attention to that. That's no way that's true. I put zero stock into it. And Scotty just took it like a champ and he said, okay, okay, I'll step back. And then a couple days later, <laughs> Mara, who Scotty works with pretty closely, says, hey, there's an opening on the NCAA job board for the Florida distance coaching role. And I said, oh, we might need to look into that. So I talked to two different sources, two different sources independent of each other. Uh, They both have some varying level of contact with Oregon. Um, And I have every reason to believe that they're right. Uh, We have been told that Chris Zielinski will be heading to Oregon as the uh, new assistant distance coach. Uh, The timeline is not exactly clear. Uh, We just know that he is heading there. Um, and again, that's two independent sources as well. And of course, if, you know, you really feel like 
we need more on that. Just know that all the, the Florida girl athletes were commenting, liking, and you know, saying good luck, coach. So, but yeah, just that's all out there basically now. Um, it's an interesting move. Um, it makes sense in a variety of areas, but Scotty wanted to get your opinion on that when you, you know, began to see this unravel in front of you. Well, first of all, I appreciate getting the credit for my investigative journalism. Right. You know, I, I've gone through and sifted through an, enough of the trash of those message boards that I feel like I have a hunch that that has some credibility when something seems more realistic than just a rumor. And so I really was just was pitching it to you like, hey, can you with your real network confirm this? And uh, I'm glad that thanks to Mara's credibility, we were able to get that confirmed. But the move itself is huge. Um, as far as the the yada, yada, yada that you kind of breezed past, this is one of the best distance runners in U.S. history. And, and on my platform, we've covered his running career at length and he's pretty new in in the coaching ranks but just the success that we've seen with obviously Parker Valby but also some of the the middle distance runners at the University of Florida this is a big hire and going to Oregon all the way to the top rejoining Jerry who coached him from a storyline perspective and just an excitement perspective, this is this is a hire that really has a spark to it. And it's going to be exciting to see how things work out once some of those details come in. The timeline, is anyone transferring there? Uh, but as we sit right now, it's really just exciting news to get in. Yeah, um, I mean, just a, a crazy move. Just because I think of the iconic you know, star power that a Selinsky himself holds. Um, but it also makes a lot of sense. You know, I saw some people being like, well, why, why would he go? Well, it's like, well, you know, uh, you know, uh, was it Jerry Schumacher now at Oregon? He coached him at Bowerman. I believe he coached him at Wisconsin as well. Yes. Um, you know, Oregon from, yeah, Oregon from a distance running perspective is simply the better option than Florida. I imagine there's more scholarship money going into the distance events at Oregon rather than at Florida. Um, I think in terms of trying to be competitive with a, on the national scene as a distance team, Oregon's there. And I think Oregon from a distance running perspective opens up more job opportunities down the line um, for Selinski. So I, I don't blame him or like I'm shocked that, you know, he's, he's heading over there. I think it makes total sense. Um, just everything about it, even if the pay is the same, right. Or, and I don't even know if that's the case or not. I have no idea. Um, but I think now the, the ultimate question is, does Parker Volby come? And that's that's the biggest question. She's still young. She still has at least like two, sometimes three years of eligibility. I think just two, two years of eligibility in some cases. Um, like she's a star. And if she gets to Oregon, Oregon now has not just a superstar icon like a Tui that they can lean on, but they now have then like a really young class who can kind of grow with Volby at the back end of her college career. I think it could be huge. We The last time I checked, she's not on the transfer portal uh, when we did break that news. So something to keep in mind. Just the thoughts of Volby and what this, what this move could mean for her. It's very fascinating to think about that because a lot of it hinges on 
what is the coaching structure going to look like when Chris Zielinski gets there? Because if it's the case that Shalane Flanagan retains the women's team and he takes over the men's team on the distant side and maybe Jerry is just in more of a managerial role as the director, would that really incentivize Parker to transfer if she's not really under Chris's training, right? If she is kind of taking a risk to learn and and grow under a brand new coach in Shalane Flanagan. So I think a lot of that is a mystery until we know how the coaching structure is going to be set. But if we want to just assume that she is going to make that move, whether it's being coached by Selinsky or Flanagan, like you said, that has huge implications for this program. They're right back on top on on the women's side, which they haven't been quite as prevalent in for the last few years. And for cross country, I mean, this is a dynamic low stick to add to the team. I mean, as low as possible outside of Caitlin Tui. And it's it literally would be as big of a move as they could possibly have. So it really has some exciting prospects to it. But I feel like at this point, as we sit here in, in late December, there's just more questions than answers given all of the coaching input that they currently have there in Eugene and just what that's going to look like. Yeah, and I think that's very fair. I think the questions about where exactly is he going to fit in, for the record, I don't think Jerry is going to be you know, in any lesser role with the men than he's already with. Now, I just don't see that happening. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. Um, I would think Selinsky will maintain some role on the women's side, but you're right. We don't know what the hierarchy there, the coaching structure is going to be like exactly there. Um you know, it's kind of like what, like where side does he fit in? Maybe it's both sides. So it's an interesting move. I think it's a great move, especially if you're trying to recruit. I mean, you got the former American 10K record holder. It's a great move overall. So we'll let that be. Uh, we'll move on now to the transfer side. And we've got a few moves here. We've got uh, one piece that we posted, transfer marker. Oh, excuse me, transfer market part 34. We had about five names in there, uh, a few pretty decent names. And then we got a, a few Duke names to, to talk about as well. Let's talk about um, Aaron all of Simon Frazier. He's going to Washington uh, next, or I, I believe this winter, actually talented guy, uh, a 148, I believe in the 800 meters, uh, it was 338 in the 1500 meters, 357 miler and 753 3k. Scotty, this Washington team is loaded. Where do you see Aaron fitting in there? I mean, just, I mean, him trying to run his best event in the mile could potentially, uh, kick out some of his teammates who are also trying to qualify for the national meet also in the mile. Andy Powell just keeps reeling him in, doesn't he? This guy is just picking everybody up. And when you see how well his guys did at the 1500 outdoors last year, this is a home run. And as a Division II guy myself, former D2 guy, I hear 338 and I just go, wait a second. Are we sure this isn't a typo? I mean, this guy is is one of the all-time greats and unfortunately has just had some bad luck at the national stage with, with some things going not his way. But joining a group that has had everything go right 
on the national stage, outdoors at least, this is as exciting as it could be. I think it's a perfect fit for him. And I have actually, you mentioned, is is he going to bump someone off on like the DMR or something? Uh, who knows? Who knows what could happen here? But when they signed like Sam Ellis and Aiden Ryan and, and made all, all that splash a few months ago, I, I had the theory, maybe they're going for two DMRs, maybe an A and a B. I know you can't. I know this is just this is this is hypothetical. They have the talent that if there were two Washington DMRs, I think they could score uh, two places at a national championships with this added piece. Yeah, the DMR piece gets really interesting. And I, I know what you're saying about the two different DMRs, but but you make a really good point. Like you can get their best relay qualified have the DMR qualify, have those guys run the open events. Then you get Aaron all on the 12. You put him on the anchor. You can even put him on the eight and he's still going to be with like Sam Ellis. If, if he, whoever the guys are Aiden Ryan, whoever it is that aren't going to be qualified in open events, they could still put together a relay that is still capable of scoring um, at the national meet and, and earning, you know, top eight all American honors. So I absolutely agree. I think, the idea that Washington can put that together, it's scary. Um, I like like you, I think this is a perfect fit for him. Perfect fit. He's a mile-centric guy first, but he brings some versatility to the table that some of these other guys can't. Um, it's a West Coast school. Powell is known for bringing in grad transfers and having done very well with them. So it's hard to know exactly like what role he's going to have. I kind of want to see him you know, flex a little bit in the 800 and the 3K. Um, but I love this move for all. I love this move for Washington. I think Washington could legitimately field one DMR lineup to qualify for nationals and then field a different lineup and they still get all American honors. They're just that good. Um, so I'll, I'll leave that be. Let's move on to the next name that I had here. It's uh, Kellyanne Beckford, another D2 name, standout stud in the 800 meters, kind of 800 meter centric, a little bit 400 meter presence as well. Uh, she's going to Houston, or she has been at Houston since the summer. She has run 204 in the 800 meters, 428 in the 1500 meters. She was the D2 national champion this past spring as she upset Allison Andrews Paul, and uh, she's a multi-time All-American. Um, thoughts on the move to Houston? Did that surprise you? It definitely surprised me. Um, Houston is is really not uh, a school that I really think of beyond the sprints and in the field events. Uh, but this particular athlete, I mean, she's proven it on the biggest stage of division two. I remember watching that race outdoors. She made a pretty definitive move to win that national title. And so I feel like Houston is getting a gem here. And, and some of the, the comments in the, uh, the article about the fact that the American is pretty wide open on, on the middle distance side, she could have a pretty instant impact there. So although I was very surprised that Houston was the destination, it is seeming like it could work out in a pretty unique way if she's able to run around that 204 and maybe even improve upon it and get to the, the national stage of D1. Yeah, and I agree. I think the first time I saw this, a little surprised. Um, but then I kind of looked at it. She has a little bit of a 400-meter presence, which is pretty solid. Houston has a history of kind of going after uh, the 400 meters a little bit. Um, so it doesn't 
super surprised me at that point, but I agree. I mean, 800 meters, really, Houston hasn't really attacked that event in any serious way. All the women's side, the American feels really wide open in the middle distances this year, especially with Ellie Leather now gone, a few other women now gone. So Beckford really can go after conference titles both this winter. Um, I don't know if she has spring eligibility. I could be wrong. Um, And now it's just a matter of can she stack her fitness can she get to that next level? And can we see her on the national stage or fighting for a national qualifying spot? I don't know if I'm there with yet with her. Just I, I just don't know if I'm there yet. Um, but I, I do think it's not out of the realm of possibility. And I thought it was a nice move for Houston uh, to just diversify their roster a little bit, but still maintain their sprints first identity, which I thought was good. So, um, all right, Scotty. Any other notes on that? And if not, let's talk about Anna Rallis to Baylor. Any other final thoughts on Beckford? No more on Beckford. Yeah, let's move on. Okay. Anna Costarellis, uh, a veteran. Uh, she was initially at Xavier, had big-time success in the Big East. She went to New Mexico a little bit quiet, only competed a handful of times. She was decent on the grass, pretty much non-existent outside of that. Um Still has eligibility. Who thought? Uh, she's at Baylor now. She is a, uh, a originally a top 50 name in our cross-country rankings. Excuse me. She, um, let me look here. She was 66 at the 2019 cross-country national meet. She was runner-up at the 2019 Big East XC Championship. She won the 2019 Louisville Classic. She was 16th at uh, the 2019 pre-nationals race. Um, so she has a history, right? Um, but recently she's been quiet, pretty much off the radar. Now she moves to uh, Baylor, where it's pretty much going to be a Oklahoma State, Iowa State kind of dominant conference there. Um, she'll also move to the South Central region for cross country, which is outside of Arkansas, really wide open most years. Uh, just the thoughts about the move. Do you see her advancing to the cross country national meet as an individual? Like, could you see that realistically happening out of the South central region? Given that it is the South central, I I like that. I like the prospects. However, I mean, I don't want to be pessimistic here, but it's been a couple years since we've seen her in that form. And so it's one of those things where I want to root for this athlete, I hope that this new destination, Baylor, it works out. She gets back to that form. Maybe she improves upon it. But I'm I'm kind of in that mode because it's been over three years now, quite a bit of time. I kind of have to sit back and say, I need you to show me something. I need you to show me that it's going well there, that the training blocks are working, and that you're competitive with some of those other Big 12 teams, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State and some of the others before I'm confident enough to to see her making that individual leap. So idealistically, yes, but at the moment, I've, I've got to see some of the prove it, see some of those results come through. Totally fair. And I'm kind of with you on that same edge. She's proven she's talented. She's proven she could do it. I don't think anyone's going to question, you know, how good she is at her best, but you're right. It's been a bit, even when she was at New Mexico, she was good. She was never great though, as like she was at Xavier, but she's talented. And in a South Central region, that's super wide open, uh, where Arkansas has never, hasn't really been at their best as of this past fall, although they were still pretty good. Let's not, not get it mixed up here. Um, I think this is a good spot for her. I think Baylor is saying like, hey, let's just, you know, let's add someone on the distance side here. 
Um, it seems to be like a really wide open time in the Big 12 for the distance events, um, which could really allow Baylor to score some points there if they wanted to invest in someone like Coastalis. So I, I like it. I, I don't dislike it at all, but I'm with you. I think there are still some major question marks about what we should expect from her moving forward. I'm, and I'm rooting for her. I really liked her a lot. I thought she was super underrated during her time at, at uh, Xavier. So, all right, let's move on. Lindsay Peters here of um, Air Force going to New Mexico. Peters is an interesting story. Breakout star this past fall. She has a, a solid time of 921 over 3,000 meters, but um, she was a 30th place finisher at the Cowboy Jamboree this past fall. And then validated that with a 20th place finish at Nuttycomb. Again, she's heading to uh, New Mexico. She just ran 16-15 unattached at Boston University. Um, thoughts? Thoughts on this in-conference rival she's heading to? It's a pure transfer, uh, regular transfer situation. I do believe she's fighting some uh, injuries right now. Um, but yeah, Scotty, thoughts on this? The rich just keep getting richer. Yes, they do. And you, you kind of buried the lead there that 1615 or whatever, that was with the two, like both feet fractured, I think, which is crazy. I mean, that, that sounds mm-hmm. like extremely painful. But I mean, you talk about military toughness there. My goodness. Uh, I love this move. I absolutely love this move. New Mexico, it's a deep squad. The culture is built. The roots are there. And you've seen so many of their athletes really pop off after being there for over a calendar year. Most recently, the one that comes to mind is, uh, I hope I don't get the name too wrong, but uh, Sam Reed Deshaun on the uh, cross-country side, who had a phenomenal season really popping off in that lineup. And so given the fact that Peters has multiple years to, to immerse herself on that Lobo squad. Maybe we aren't going to see it right away, but maybe it's the, the fall of 24 or maybe even the, the spring uh, of next year. I really think we could see something special, and this is a big move. I, probably my favorite one that we've covered so far. Wow. Wow. And I, I'm glad you you say that because I do think this is an underappreciated move. I think Peters is clearly at a new level of fitness. Um, I think she, you know, validated that on two big stages. I mean, she would have been a scorer for New Mexico at Nuttycomb, um, you know, had she been on New Mexico's team. And, you know, for her to be dealing with, you know, two injuries basically in her feet at the same time, um, to her for her to still run as well as she did. Um, it's impressive stuff. And yeah, she wasn't great towards the tail end of the the cross country season, but I wonder, and this is just speculation, I wonder if she, you know, just, you know, sustained something then, started picking up an injury bug then. I don't know that for sure, but at the very least, like the signs are there that she can be a New Mexico, a New Mexico caliber scorer. Um, and I agree with you. I think this is a sneaky good fit. And I think by next fall, we could be talking about Peters as, this really underrated name who's going to surprise a few people, except for everyone who listens to the Blueville podcast. Um, so yes, I, I very much agree with that. Um, let's wrap up on the transfer market side. Laura Taborda, this is a fascinating one. Um, and I, I know you've been kind of monitoring the women's side here for these transfers. Um, Laura Taborda was at Eastern Kentucky, really solid steeplechase runner, 958 in the steeplechase, qualified for outdoor nationals. Um, ventured to Ole Miss this past summer, 
She, uh, after she went to Ole Miss, though, she had a pretty decent season, 18th at SEC XC Championships, 24th at the South Regional XC Championships. But now, this this winter, she's going to Arkansas, an in-state or in-conference in rival, one semester later. Have you, when's the last time you've seen a move that rapidly, you know, be, between conference rivals, really? How, when's the last time, have you ever seen that? I probably have. There's nothing coming to mind immediately, but with this one in general, I mean, I don't have a lot of thoughts other than just surprise in general. Um, it, it really wasn't something that I would have expected. And I feel like Arkansas right now isn't the Arkansas that it's been over the, the last decade or so, but still it's, Ole Miss has been pretty competitive, and and like you said, she had a pretty decent season, pretty respectable results. So it, it must have just been either the fit, the culture, something like that, um, or frankly, it was just an opportunity that she wanted to pursue, and maybe feels like she can get more out of the the training and uh, opportunities at Arkansas. So in general, just just was pretty surprised by this one being an in conference rival, like you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the in-conference rival and also the fact that you were there at Ole Miss for a semester, which throws me off. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I totally fully understood that. Um, which is great. It's a great pickup for Arkansas. Let's not get it wrong. Um, you know, Arkansas very clearly, um, I, I, I think, is going to need that steeplechase success. I mean, they don't have Chrissy Gear anymore. So to have another steeplechaser at that caliber or close to that caliber, I should say, um, no, it's, it's good. It's important. So, all right, um, let's move on. We'll wrap up here with the Duke graduate transfers here. Tyler Morris, Jake Winslow, Scotty, free reign. Talk about this just however you'd like. I mean, this is these were interesting surprise moves, but really solid moves. Um, and I kind of want to just hear your thoughts on uh, Morris and Winslow here. Absolutely. Well, first of all, I want to shout out the Duke Twitter page that broke these transfers hitting us with that fire emoji because that is that's really setting the tone for what we're getting here. And and what I like about the two moves really announcing them both at the same time is we're getting a, a more long distance centric runner and more middle distance centric runner. And we've seen recently some success with uh, Nick Dahl when he transferred to, to Duke. And I believe he still has another year. I could be wrong on that. But on the middle distance side, you know, we've seen that success of someone coming in, adapting to their program, and really being competitive right away in the ACC. I believe Nick Dahl was the ACC champ in the mile last year. So could we see something similar from uh, the, the Dartmouth transfer here? So another Ivy League guy, uh, Jake Winslow. It looks like he's pretty strong on the middle distance side. But I also like that they're trying to bolster more of the long distance side. Um, Duke is a program that I felt like they had some solid pieces in cross country, but maybe not a full five to be consistently competitive in the ACC. So this guy, he's been really competitive on the junior college side. Um, this is uh, Tyler Morris I'm talking about. And it would be great to see if, if that could be a building block for the future uh, on the grass for the Blue Devils. 
Yeah, I, I like them both. I think you're kind of getting um, uh, like Nick Dahl-esque replacements at, with two guys just at a lighter level. Um, I like the Winslow move because I think Winslow, like really his resume isn't that drastically different from what we saw from Nick Dahl when he was at Yale before he came over. It's a 401 miler from the Ivy League who's solid, has had success, but is not necessarily a star yet moving from the Ivy league as a graduate transfer over to Duke. And you kind of get a little bit of that um, with Winslow here. I don't know if Winslow is going to be another Nick doll, um, but we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, this is a guy who could be a 357, 358 miler. And I don't think anyone would be shocked. Um, so I like that move. And then on the other side, Nick doll brought in great cross country success, long distance prowess, you're getting that with Morris. Morris is more of a 10 K guy and cross country guy, but Morris is great. Like, I could see Morris actually being better than Dahl in a handful of uh, races on the grass for Duke uh, this upcoming fall. So I like that. I think they're basically just getting Dahl's skill set with two different runners and they're getting the best of it. Um, I don't know if I would necessarily trade those two guys for Dahl, but they're still really solid replacements. Duke still, I think, is is going to get a few guys on the way that are still uh, you know in the works. And... I, I don't know. I just, I just, I just like it. I think it was a really solid and smart move. The recruiting has been great as of late. And I just like how active that they've been there addressing the things that they need, especially after missing out on the cross country national meet uh, this past fall. So shout out to Duke. Really nice job by Duke. Scotty, that's, that's it. I'm going to call it there. I'm going to, we're going to make this a pretty quick one. I uh, don't want to you know give away too much for what we've got coming up. Um, but dude, thank you so much for hopping on. Uh, Feel free to wax poetic. Um, anything about the site, the Chip Time podcast? Uh, tell us what you got going on. Oh man, uh, so much I could say, and and this is shorter than than any episode I've ever had. So if that's not a kind of a precursor of what you'd get into for for mine, I can ramble quite a bit. But as far as the site goes, I mean, really exciting stuff. Indoor track season, people. It is one of the most exciting times of the year. You're going to see some insanely fast times from these athletes, and we're really just trying to keep up with them. You know, we got potential for some NCAA records to go down, and and I'm just excited to, to buckle up for that ride, for that roller coaster. I think it's going to be a really special season. As far as my podcast goes, I mean, I don't want to say too much about it, but we have a good time. It's pretty laid back. And it's kind of a mix of professional NCAA and local running. So I've had some uh, running shoe store owners on the show and some other athletes who train for the Boston Marathon and and other events in their own right. And uh, the last thing I'll plug there is that we have our end of the year awards show coming up probably the day after this podcast goes up, our Chippy Awards. There's some big ones there. So fun to just kind of step back and celebrate all the things that that we've gotten to witness this year. And if we put that in a time capsule, how would we remember the 2022 distance running year? And I actually listened back to our 2021 episode just to prep a little bit. And it was so fun remembering back to that Olympic 1500, how crazy that was. And Molly Seidel getting bronze in in the marathon in the Olympics and 
Grant Fisher getting fifth, which was the highest American finish since since Galen in 2012. So it really is just a celebration of distance running. And that's really what we do in general on the show. So Garrett, thank you for having me on today. Uh, I've been a listener of the Blue Oval for well over two years. I've been a reader on the site for for quite a while before I joined the team. And uh, it is an absolute honor, uh, both because I am a fan myself and also just because the name of the podcast, the Blue Oval podcast, you guys get it. I say it time and again, blue tracks are faster than every other color track. It's a fact. All my PRs were on blue tracks. And for you guys to just put that on the forefront, it really says a lot about your character. So once again, thanks for having me here. And I hope I get invited back. It's a big if, but I'd love to come back sometime. Yeah, you 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 killed it. You did well. I glad I'm glad you agreed about the blue oval because the whole reason why I called it the blue oval podcast was because my high school track was a blue track. I agree, all faster, always faster. So, uh, Scotty, phenomenal as always. You can go catch his work at thestridereport.com. Do you want women's side? We've got more from him and the rest of our writers on the way. Thank you everyone for leaving a rating and review. Shout out to Hoka for sponsoring us this month, and uh, that's all I got. I'll talk to you later, Scotty. Take care.